Hey, and welcome to Student Voices, where we discuss all things education with students at the centre. I am your host, Ren Gillard, and you are listening to Student Voices. Putting students at the centre of the education conversation. Hey, and welcome to what is our third episode of Student Voices. So today's episode focuses on some practical work in the space. So I went and spoke to a wonderful school up in Western Australia, Joseph Banks Secondary College, and spoke to their principal, Eleanor Hughes, and two of their students, Adatrash, who was in year 10, and Sarah, who was in year 11. And we had some discussions around student voice primarily, what it looks like, what it feels like. And we also sort of touched on the future of work, what that looks like from a young person's perspective. And the the conversation honestly flowed in in quite a number of directions, but it was wonderful, wonderful to to speak with them. And I, I hope that you will enjoy listening. So without further ado, here's the conversation I had with the wonderful school up in WA, Joseph Banks Secondary College. So guys, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. So you guys have done a lot of wonderful sort of student voice initiatives at your school. And I think it would be a really great place for us to just sort of start this episode by just touching on what I guess you guys are doing in the space at at your school. Well, we've got like the student councils, we've got P-TECH and like little programs, like we've even got like a uniform review where the students are getting on the committee and like, projecting their voices and what they want to hear and what they want to see changes happen in the school. So I think that's probably one of the key things that's happening at our schools with the student voice, especially when I don't think many schools will have students on the uniform review committee, whereas Joseph Banks does. And that actually gives the students a good opportunity to really project their voice and see the changes they want to happen and the whole student just want to happen. Mm-hmm. And we also have this thing that um, I'm a part of, this group, we're called One Culture, and we're all about um, projecting the voices of all the cultures in our community. And we actually go out into, to, into our communities um, outside of school um, to primary schools to talk about our stories and our um, cultures to make sure, you know, everyone's voices are being heard and, um, yeah. That's wonderful. I love, I love that. And I guess as, as students sort of in these positions, how does it make you feel, I guess, to be part of the decision-making processes that affect them? Because you mentioned your uniform council and then sharing your stories with other like-minded young people. Like, how does that, how does that feel? Oh, it feels like it feels amazing. It feels so good because you know that you're making an impact. And especially when you get to project your own voice, you know, um, oh, we've seen a lot of a lot more active like participation and just it's so great seeing that empowerment like within the community mm-hmm. that you've brought. Yeah, and just being recognized as we've getting told that you are actually getting heard as that actually means a lot for a student. So that's a pretty great thing that makes all students feel really well. Yeah. It's so important as a student to sort of feel valued in your community. I think the the effects of that are really unparalleled. And I guess, do you feel sort of more engaged and I guess sort of more connected to your school when you're part of the decisions that shape your school? 
Oh yeah, most definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There's mm. no like answer to that. Ren, can I just? I'm going to interject a little bit um, because mm. Addie, both of the, the students speaking at the moment are brilliant representatives of um, our college, and they are both um, student leaders and participate in a, a wide variety of things ac across the college and in the community. As Sarah said, uh, one of the things that Addy is working on at the moment that he may not think is about student voice, but he's part of a program here called PTEC. Um, mm -hmm. And in that uh, PTEC program, his group is actually looking at education and they've got this really open-ended um, project where they're seeking feedback from staff and the community around the future of education. Addy, do you want to just talk about that a little bit? Sure. So our project is gaps in the education system and what we've done is we've sent our service to our schools and other schools for students to get their feedback and then we're also interviewing teachers at our school just to see like compare the data that we get and identify any gaps which could really like potentially like help the education system in the upcoming years. That sounds brilliant. I I love I love that and I guess how does it feel to sort of lead an initiative like that? Because, I mean, um, as, as your teacher, Eleanor, sort of said, you know, you might recognise that I guess that is sort of, I guess, a form of, of student voice, but really it, it completely is. And you're sort of, you're driving these changes. And I think what, what better space for students to sort of have a voice than in the area of education and looking at the, the future of education. And I guess I sort of like an interesting question, I think, as well, like, I mean, more sort of directed towards the future of, of work is that I think young people are sort of constantly sort of pushed to focus on, on, on their futures. And I guess in a, in a world that sort of is unpredictable, you know, we've seen this with COVID, we've seen this with the climate crisis, we've seen this with um, everything that's going on in the US at the moment as well. The world's pretty <laughs> unpredictable and young people are always sort of asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm just, I don't know, I'm sort of curious to hear, I guess, how you guys feel about, about that question. Do you think it's sort of like the right one that we should be asking young people at the moment or is there, there's something better? Oh, there's definitely better questions to ask because every time I hear that question, I freak out. Because um, I think probably a better question to ask would be something, um, if you're asking students in particular, would be like, is there something that you're really enjoying at school or like um, what's something that you want to learn about more uh, or like even uh, who's someone that's a really big influence in your life? Like who's an inspiration to you? Like who do you want to be like? Because I feel like those are way more important than what do you want to be when you grow up? Because it's kind of, to me, it suggests that you can only be one thing. And then that just puts so much pressure on me because there's so many things that are so interesting, but like, I can't just choose one. Yeah. Exactly. And like, when someone asks you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? That kind of throws you under the, like, the, under the mo pressure at the moment because you have to like answer them, what, as Sarah said, only one thing. So something will be like, mm. what are you like passionate about? Like, what do you enjoy doing outside of your like in your free time. So I think something along those lines would be better. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Exactly. Sort of asking young people to focus on their passions because 
as we're sort of seeing and sort of like how I mentioned, technology is changing the actual jobs that are available and even sort of changing the industries that humans are going to be working in. And so, yeah, it's about looking at what what we're sort of passionate about and then harnessing those passions and sort of driving that to, um, yeah, sort of, I guess, shape our futures. And I think that's, yeah, that's really wonderful because, yeah, it's, it's sort of hard to answer that question now and it also does sort of put pressure on being this one sort of thing and fitting into sort of a box when the world is full of possibilities that are rapidly changing. Um, awesome. And I think as well I, I want to go back because I, I know that you're doing a lot of work in this area at a trash, but the the future of education, you know, what what do you guys sort of see in 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 our prospective futures, like maybe even in the next sort of five years, what do you think that educators sort of should do or, or can do that would make education potentially work more effective for, for a greater number of people? Is there anything that, yeah, you can sort of think of that might, might direct our educators? Yeah. So some, some of the things that we've said was like, as we can see, like a lot of like technical stuff is getting taken over in the workplace lately. So maybe like, educating more about the technical stuff and like so that when the students go in the workplace because by the time they are in the next five years they go in the workplace the workplace would have changed so be mm-hmm. more technical so something more about along, along the lines of more technical stuff like we've heard like machinery coming in so just educators like taking a step ahead and like instead of just like for not focusing on notes and just revision but like doing more hands on stuff and technical stuff so that the students are prepared for the workplace mm-hmm. I think I would say pretty much what Adichai just said, but um, I think because, yeah, we're definitely more in a more digital age um, where we are right now. Um, and I think we'll probably be at a stage where we will be only digital. Um, but in terms of education, something I think would be quite useful is if um, being able, because I know like even now we're doing video calls and stuff like, kind of like this one um and we're not able to be in the same room together and we're still getting a lot of well we're getting stuff done and I think because I know especially especially because of COVID um when people are unable to be there I think it's really important to have that digital and technological access to um get that education if that makes sense Yes, that makes complete sense. I think you've sort of touched on something else that has been highlighted throughout this whole sort of COVID era is this this inequity, you know, and, and the fact that people don't have access to the same the same things and that everyone's home lives are completely different because learning from home and being isolated to your house, you know, everyone is sort of just having to do the best with what they have. They're not able to go anywhere else and learn in a different environment. They're stuck. And yeah, we've definitely seen, um, you know, some students even fall behind because of this. And so I, I really hope that out of this this period, we sort of see more, um, more equitable changes and um, I guess maybe some more support systems for those students who are sort of learning in environments that, you know, aren't aren't the best and sort of don't, I guess, going back to what you said, um, Adetraj, it's, it's sort of like trying to, to make sure that students are prepared for, um, I guess, a workforce that is sort of unpredictable and, I guess, preparing students in the same way 
um, is, is really important. And but but also, though, I guess I'm sort of maybe going to backtrack on that, because I think this idea that we have to teach everyone exactly the same way is part of the issue, you know, because I think that's part of the reason as to why our education system is sort of teaching everyone to this sort of one size fits all model. You know, I, I, I don't know whether you guys can sort of speak to this as well, but it sort of feels like we're all working towards these final assessments that really only measure, um, I guess, your ability to sort of retain information and sort of regurgitate information and not necessarily a perfect um, indication of, of um, one's intelligence. But, I mean, is there a perfect indication of intelligence? I don't know. Um, but definitely, yeah. And um, I think I, I would like to sort of go back as well to what you said um, at a trash in, in terms of like these real world skills. So you sort of touched on like technology and um, are there any other things, you know, that maybe just, just small things that teachers could do in the classroom that would better prepare people for life outside of school? Maybe like just communication skills and like interacting skills. So like, because nowadays with a lot of social media coming at people and maybe losing their communication skills whereas there would be instructional interface and messaging and that's one of the things that we've noticed I've noticed in my project like where the communication skills are going a bit down and like they're not having like the same amount of communication skills they would have had like 10 years before so I think that's some of the things that teacher could teachers could definitely focus on in class is just perfecting and like working on those communication skills because everywhere you go you can you need communication good communication skills to interact with people mm. <laughs> is there anything um, that you would like to see educators do maybe that would enhance enhance the classroom for you? So I guess, um, you know, Adidas has sort of mentioned this focus on real world skills. And I guess you, you've sort of also touched on that as well. But is there something else or um, I guess because there's also the communication skills, which are, I guess, essentially part of those real world skills. Um, but I mean, something else that I think has come out of this remote learning phase is, I guess, the importance of teacher-student relationships, because I think a lot of people have recognised that, you know, not having their teacher in the classroom with them has made communication so much more difficult and sort of emphasised the importance of having a good relationship with your teacher. And I guess, is do you think that's maybe a focus for, for moving forward? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Because, like, um, I find my relationship with my teachers like a really important factor in terms of my education because like I'm a very like you know hands-on learner and more I need people kind of to tell me what to do as well so I'm also verbal and visual um, so when the teachers are really involved in the lessons and activities I actually benefit more or I've actually seen an improvement whereas sometimes there are teachers that um, give us work and um, it's on it's like online and they're like just read it it's online everything you need to do is there and I for some reason I just I can't get it through my head like it's it's too difficult for me to just comprehend um, like I need someone to kind of help me and say it in a way that I can understand. So when, yeah, so building those like student-teacher relationships are so important because um, having a teacher that understands is definitely so um, important to each like individual student. If that yeah. makes sense. 
sense? That made complete sense. No, I, I think that was beautifully articulated. Definitely. It's, it's about um, putting students and teachers at the centre of everything. And I think something that you touched on really wonderfully was that I guess when, when teachers understand the needs of students, they can better you know, help their students learn. Because, I mean, I guess what we've also sort of seen and like what you sort of just touched on then is that, you know, you don't learn um, as well as you would when you're just sort of given information and, and you're sort of not, I guess, working through it with your teacher. And what you might find is that on the contrast, some other students might really just like to put their head down and just read the work and I guess do all of their their work completely independently everyone learns really differently and so it's so important that that teachers and students are working together so that the classroom can sort of best meet the needs of everyone I think that is yeah I mean I I hope that I sort of articulated your point um that that's sort of what I took from you from what you said which I think is a, a brilliant brilliant point um is there anything that you guys would, would sort of like to add to, to the importance of teacher-student relationships and partnerships? No, no I, I think, think Sarah and you covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I mean, from your perspective, Eleanor, what do you feel, I guess, around student-teacher partnerships? I, I think that they're essential. And um, I guess everything is built on that relationship, really, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's online, whether it's a combination of um, of those different modes. And, and I think if we go back to the, the question that you asked at the start about the impact of COVID on some of those things and the way of working in the future, I think a key is that teachers are going to need to be flexible going forward, regardless of what happens with COVID, because uh, and we know now because we've proved it to ourselves that we can be flexible about working in different environments. Um, it can be completely online. It can be both online and um, in the old-fashioned face-to-face way. Um, and I think what that's going to do is open up um, more opportunities for students to be learning, um, as Sarah said earlier, uh, things that they are passionate about or that they have an interest in or um, that they've seen someone can influence or, you know, or there's someone that they would like to be like in terms of their work in the future. Um, and, and I think that's also a, a really important aspect that their pathway doesn't have to be um, defined by one thing. That question you asked about what do you want to be when you grow up, it's actually going to be multiple things. And the new way of working or um, teaching, so to speak, for educators, I think we will continue to transform over the next couple of years. And I think we will see more flexibility because it, it will be required of us to be so. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Flexibility is sort of almost like a necessary thing now. And I think COVID is, has definitely sort of highlighted the importance of being flexible. Um, and I think it's just sort of important as well, because I guess the more flexible everyone can be, I guess, it, especially in the classroom, it means that there's sort of more room for students to potentially take ownership over their own learning and sort of, you know, sort of say, hey, I learn best doing this. And then if there's flexibility in the classroom to allow the student to sort of say, that's how they learn best and actually have the resources and, and sort of space to be able to, to work that way. That's, you know, I think that's a really great thing. And I guess something that I'm really interested in looking at moving forward as well is potentially the relationship between the extent to which sort of students take ownership of their own learning and sort of 
identify and figure out the ways that they learn best um, and then how that sort of affects I guess uh, young people's sense of direction once they leave school because I, I, I definitely believe that you know I think the work that that you're doing both of you Sarah and Ada Treasures is sort of probably going to help you identify what you want to do once you leave school you know because you're, you're taking ownership you're, you're figuring out what you're passionate about and you're working on it and you're learning in the ways that you feel best meet your own demands and I think that that's probably going to have a really significant impact on the way that you feel about your futures once you leave school um yeah wonderful and I guess to sort of finish off this, this conversation, I, I want to put a question to all three of you, um, which is, when do you feel or have felt your voice has been heard the loudest? So I feel when my voice has been heard the loudest. It might not be like the biggest things which everyone can see, probably like little things in classes where I wanted the teacher to make some changes to the way they teach the lesson or structure the lesson. So sometimes there, and Miss Hughes will agree with me on this, I've been trying to get a cricket team going since year seven at our school and mm -hmm. that happened last year. So that was when my voice was heard. But it's, it doesn't have to be always allowed, like the things that everyone can see or the whole school can see, but it could be little things like in classes or outside where you just want little teachers or some, the management to make little changes. And that's where my voice has been heard of quite a few times. And I, it just feels great. And you feel like you get, it feels like a great sense of pride and values that you just get when you've heard voice has been heard yeah yeah being listened to by your teachers and by your school I think is something that's unparalleled and I I think you're right even if it's something small like you know potentially your cricket your cricket initiative yeah. I, I reckon just sort of seeing those small things come to fruition and actually sort of being action I don't think there's anything greater especially while you're a student at school it's it's the best it's the absolute best <laughs> um and and Eleanor what about you from the I guess I'm in a different position because I'm the principal, Ren, so yeah. <laughs> my voice, voice is often heard. But one of the things that um, I've been working um, on since opening the school is making sure that we do have strong student voice. Mm -hmm. And it's always been part of what we do. And probably both Sarah and, and Addie will be able to say they could see bits of that um, when they first started. But each year we're building strength on that. And so Sarah talked about One Culture. Um, Addie's talked about some of the initiatives that he's involved in. But we're getting stronger at making the, the connection between student voice impacting what happens in the classroom rather than what happens just outside of the classroom. And that, that's about the influence on the teaching and learning because we really want students to have ownership and responsibility for their learning but they have to have effective teaching to enable that. And so by giving them a voice and allowing them to contribute to what happens in terms of teaching and learning, in terms of not only the courses and, and the programs that we offer, but the way that we teach and how we teach, that to me is the most important thing because I can say it to the teachers, but when the students say it to the teachers, it's much more powerful and we, we yeah. get much faster results. So for me... Um, the student voice growing as it has over the last five or six years um, is one of the things that is, is my greatest pride. 
That's wonderful. I I think that's so interesting, especially from the principal's perspective, the idea that sort of your voice feels the loudest when your students and I guess your, your the youngest members of your school sort of feel like they've been heard. I think that having that sort of connection with your school sort of, I guess, speaks probably the nature of, um, of Joseph Banks. And, and that's really, really wonderful. I think that's such a, such a lovely, lovely way to, to sort of, I don't know, answer that question. Um, and, and lastly, I'll put the, put the same question to you, Sarah. Um, so I believe that student voice, at the school student voice being heard is actually like, I would say pretty good compared to um, a lot of other schools or that I've been to anyway, um, especially on the student council. Like for example, this year, at the beginning of the year, um, on the student council, we actually came in during the holidays to, um, to talk about how we were going to tell pretty much teachers how to teach, but like pretty much what was, what was helpful and what was not and um, what we thought could be improved um, or what was going well. Um, and the, I definitely think that um, the student voice was heard then because we literally had all the teachers there. And I do think that um, the teachers, some, some teachers did like learn new stuff, especially in terms of, um, oh my goodness, te <laughs> well, teaching, I guess, um, yeah. and catering to, you know, the each student's individual needs. And um so that was something I would definitely say was successful. And I personally think like being first of all on the student council and being um part of one culture. And then because I've been on the student council for five years now, which is a long time. It's probably mm. one of the only things I've dedicated or a lot of time and commitment to um and now I'm going I care so much about student voice that um hopefully um I'm because I'm running for school captain so I good luck thank you um but I really yeah I really care about the student voice and making sure that the school as a whole both students and teachers have a good like um, representative of what this school stands for and mm. um, yeah yeah well I wish you all the best and it sounds like you've got the best interests at, at, at heart and I think you know if you were your school I might do a little bit of I guess campaigning for you it sounds like Sarah would be a great school captain Joseph Banks <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I've got sort of two things to, to sort of say to that and I really love that you feel like being on your school's council and sort of, I guess, having the position as a school captain would be really meaningful because I think too often we sort of see these leadership positions sort of being almost token. So it's sort of like, you know, teachers have a conversation and then they sort of ask students for their perspective as sort of like a last, last minute thing or sometimes like a last resort. But the fact that you feel like you being at these these like being at the center of these conversations is really making a difference is wonderful, and I think that we need to sort of see this jump from you know sort of token leadership to actually meaningful involvement. And I think that your what you, what you sort of spoke about initially about um, you sort of having that meeting with your teachers and sort of discussing you know what teachers can do to teach better. I mean, 
who better to who better to ask? <laughs> like the the teachers are teaching the students, um, and I mean students always receive feedback from their teachers, and so I think it's actually a really healthy thing to have that that sort of three hundred and sixty um, approach to feedback. Um, and, and hear from the students themselves because, I mean, yeah, teaching is, is about, I guess, the students and teachers. It's, it's, it's about the whole community. And, yeah, I think there's a lot to be sort of learnt from, from students. And you, you are both great representatives and um, I think you've represented the views of your school really, really wonderfully. Um, so thank you, both, all of you, uh, Eleanor as well. It's wonderful to have the principal's perspective part of this conversation as well. Um, thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Rin. It's our pleasure. Well, what an absolute privilege that was. Thank you so much, Joseph Banks, Eleanor, Sarah, Adetraj. Thank you. It was a wonderful conversation, and I hope that everyone listening stays tuned for our next episode. You can also share your questions, comments, and feedback on our website, www.pivotpl.com/studentvoicespodcast. See you next time.